This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez. Your Libertarian Voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6, covering the Libertarian topics of the week, local, national, international. Right now, we're having a very lively conversation, as always, about the, um, it's always lively, and the topic is different from week to week. It's about the Atlanta public school cheating scandal, which I would have thought was a local story, but is really an international story. I've read it in several international news outlets, as well as all the big newspapers. It's a very big deal. And it got the story broke because the AJC, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, noticed that Atlanta was being, I guess, singled out for having these tremendous advances in their test scores, standardized test scores. And the AJC noticed that it was kind of mathematically improbable that this was actually happening just through education and that there might be something, some cheating afoot. And they did uh, offer enough evidence. It got governor at the time, Sonny Perdue, to investigate the story. And I had brought up the question, why why didn't the parents notice this? And I and I actually had an answer for myself, which I didn't say on the air until David called and said, Hey, the parents were on it. They were wondering why, I guess in my words, why the kids couldn't read and were still getting promoted from class to class, uh, up up the grades, that they were being stonewalled. That's what David said. And I had that personal experience like that in the Atlanta school system. And at first, well, I should say, in this case, I I just always think of it as the inner city kids getting uh, the short end of the stick. But for me, my kids were going to one of the best schools in the Atlantic public school system, really well-regarded school. And my oldest son, uh, he has Down syndrome, and he complained to me that somebody, his aide, was abusing him. And I just dismissed it, really dismissed it. And then I got an anonymous phone call in the middle of the night, which I think was from the bus driver who overheard him say that and overheard me dismiss it. So I brought, and I had realized that he did have some some scrapes and bruises, but I just never thought much about it. And I went to the teacher, and uh, and he said, oh, I'll look into it. I'll talk to the principal, whatever, and then give me a couple of weeks to kind of suss it out. And then when I went back to him, he said, yeah, it's completely fabricated um these people have little squabbles between each other um it was nothing don't worry about it then uh i just still smelled a rat and i just wanted to see what my options were to try to transfer him to a different school or get him a different aid or whatever so i went to a lawyer i wasn't going to sue suing is awful so i wasn't going to do that but i just wanted to understand and the lawyer said that aid was the subject of other lawsuits for abuse so from what I could tell, I was not only being stonewalled, I think I was being lied to. Then I did change schools, I did change aides, and I got a notice sometime into it that that aide was being investigated because people reported that he was unkind to Luke or abusive to Luke or whatever. And uh, and, not, and I, I called, I said, what is this all about? They wouldn't tell me anything. I never got any resolution. Finally, I took my kids out of the schools, but... Um, but but uh, but th- so that I got no no um, answer on that. But then 
Another incident happened where I took my son, my special needs son, to uh, for a walk with the dogs. The dog pulled him. He fell. He scraped his face. And my husband thinks he's funny. He said, oh, tell him your teacher, your mother did it. So Luke has Down syndrome. He goes to school and he tells him that uh, my mother did it. And immediately they open this investigation with child services. They go to the school. They interview people. They call me. They call my husband, blah, blah, blah. They try to get the story out of this kid who has Down syndrome, and he gets the name of the dog wrong, and it just was a crazy mess. But I then, after that, was like a little bit afraid because they had opened a file on me and stuff. So here I am with, uh, on the one hand, when I had a complaint, I'm the taxpayer, my kid, I get uh, nothing, actual deception from what I could tell. And then when it was me, I mean, it could could have been obvious uh, a joke, I was kind of got internalized the message don't make waves don't make waves they have power and i know that's a very personal story i don't have an axe to grind i would never normally bring it up but i have to say i observed the powerlessness of the individual in this system alan brought that up earlier that you could really never fight the government and i and as a a libertarian that's and and a catholic funny enough Catholic Church has this concept of subsidiarity. I don't think Pope Francis is a fan of subsidiarity, and I'm not a fan of his. But this idea is that any problem that can be solved at the smallest possible level should be. If you can solve it yourself or with your family, uh, then do so. Or if it becomes a little bigger in your community, in your church. And, and then it, it only when you need uh, more authority, more help, do you bring it up and above. So for me... The more accountability you have on the very local level, which is why I don't like even public schools. When I switched my kids to little private school, the the teacher is the principal is very responsive because she cares. She knows I can walk with my feet, and uh, and and that's how you get control power. And you can see that incentives like this really work. This whole scandal was about the incentives of getting good grades, the incentives of getting bonuses. These teachers were motivated by the incentives that were laid out to them. And that's a very libertarian concept. Uh, so there, there is a personal revelation, which I don't like making, but I feel like we can only understand the true nature of the system by observing our own experiences in it. Uh, I am going to Take some calls. I am going to Martin in Douglasville. Hi, Martin. You're on with Monica. Yes, hello. Um, I, I, I don't think the teacher should have went to prison, and they had the pigs on Wall Street, suffered no consequences, and walked away with millions. And I don't think you can separate the two in our, in our culture. You can't separate the two. You can't have all that going on and then come down hard on these people. But a point I'd like to make, and I'd love for your listeners to hear, because I know your listeners are smart people and well-thinking well, you know, people, and um and that is that this notion of uh, the way you affect change in your government is to vote. And this is a foolish notion, and I'll tell you why. The the jury, I remember this from high school civics class, and I'm 46 now. But um, the jury in our judicial system is the most powerful people there is. They have more power than the Supreme Court. They have more power than the president because they have the final say. So, um what, what needs to happen is people shouldn't be uh, wary of going to jury trial. People should be happy to do that. And, and we, know that, we know that's not the case. People don't like to go to jury trials, and that shouldn't be because um, I can see in the future where they'll, they'll do away with jury trials for misdemeanors. Uh, well, and they won't do it. They won't take away your constitutional right directly like that. What they'll do is set up so many barriers to your 
they'll they'll make you afraid of it. Like this guy, the judge has the power to sentence. If I'm not mistaken, I don't think it's going to the jury for sentencing. Right, right. Uh, so they can make it so that yeah, the jury is a part of it. But if the sentence is so severe that you wouldn't take the chance, that's how they effectively rob you of your rights. Which was a point I did notice. Right, and and uh, furthermore, I'd like to say that you know there was a fellow here named Gregory Clark. He was a, a one-term congressman in the state house in Georgia. He did one term, and I always knew politics was backbiting. I knew it was vicious, but I didn't know how vicious it was. And I talked to this guy on the telephone. Um, he he got voted in from Kennesaw. He served one term, and he introduced a bill that was going to cause the judges in Georgia to have to say to jurors, unlike what they tell them now. Now it is, you know, you follow the letter of the law like it's written as if God wrote the law instead of a bunch of lawyers writing the law. And that's what happens. Lawyers write the law to benefit other lawyers. That's what's really going on. And he he introduced a bill that would say uh, judges have to notify jurors that you have the right to, you know, every law that's questionable needs to be held up against the Bill of Rights and tit for tat down, down the line and needs to be compared. And if there's any... Is uh, that what they call jury nullification? Exactly I, I went right. to Stanford Law School, and I cannot remember that. That is what it is, right? Yes, exactly. And and then and, and that's what needs to happen And to correct everything that we're talking about here, the drug war. I mean, if, if jurors were smarter people, and I, I, don't want to say, I don't want to cast aspersions against the public, but my goodness, I mean, I, if I was on that Atlanta school board trial and I knew that these, these people were going to be going to prison, I would have hung the jury. I mean, that's just what I would have done. But people need to listen to the judge, of course, but just let it go in one ear and out the other. Don't. Uh... Well, that's a funny thing is that you say that people are ignorant. The The reality is that we are. That's a problem with the public school system. It is in their interest to promote the government, to promote the viewpoint of the government. And that's why you can't. It's, it's like an inherent conflict of interest because the Bill of Rights is designed to restrain the government. So if you tell the, the government's never going to tell, I mean, they, they will if they're forced to, but it's not in their interest. Our interests are not aligned to tell people, really, the power of the government comes from your personal sovereignty. And as a libertarian, I like to quote what I, I think Murray Rothbard articulated it. He's Mr. Libertarian, but that there really is only one law. Don't touch me or my stuff. And all other laws are about teasing that out. And and all the power of the government derives from your individual right to self-defense, really. I've I thought of that. I think that's right. And you can evaluate laws. You don't have to try to understand what the law means. And if it's so twisted, I would I would say, I would offer that if the law is so twisted that you can't um you can't decipher it as a juror. How can citizens be responsible for upholding those laws, those in themselves? If you can't figure it out, if you can't evaluate it on your touchstone of reason and understanding the difference between right and wrong, then it's a bad law in in the first place. Um, I lost Martin, but I think he was going to say that that guy uh, never returned to duty. He probably got a lot of pressure. Uh, I'm going to keep this conversation going. I want to talk about some other fundamentals at, at, at stake and why really the Tenth Amendment comes into play here, too. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. It is 66 degrees, it's a 9 on the Mellish meter, and sunset tonight is at 8 p.m. And the weather is brought to you by Shoemate, the official air conditioning of summer. 
We're talking about the uh, Atlanta public school cheating scandal. I mentioned that the 10th Amendment comes into play. One of the arguments about the harm done, the bonus money didn't seem that huge. Obviously, the biggest was from the superintendent who got a total of $500,000 or more in performance bonuses. But one gal said she only got $3,000. She's going to pay it back. Uh, The numbers were not crystal clear of what the actual damages were, but one of the big things was that they supposedly, by promoting the kids, not flagging them as needing remedial attention, they did not get federal grant money that they would have otherwise gotten. Now, this is kind of not crystal clear uh, how to quantify that, but it does bring up a point that I don't even like defending this position because I don't want federal money. I don't like that federal money is used to control uh, schools when the government's not, the federal government's not allowed to control education. It's a 10th Amendment thing. It's the states are responsible for what's called the police powers, and that includes education and health and stuff. So I don't like to defend that position. I don't want them involved at all because federal money always comes with strings attached. So I think that that is not a good answer. It should, and and the federal influence was bad in this case. It, it set up a situation where an, an atmosphere that increasingly emphasizes standardized test scores as a way to evaluate teachers. And I'm I'm sold on the idea that that is not a good evaluation method for teachers. But I want to hear from you. I'm going to Chris in Atlanta. Chris, you're on with Monica. Hello? Hi, Chris. Hey, how are you, Monica? Um, anyways, I wanted to, um, the point that I was going to make was kind of just off my own personal experience and kind of what you touched on earlier was that we're kind of creating a system where we're, we have to be worried that we're forcing people into taking plea deals when they might be innocent or when they, you know, when there might not be a reason for them to be going to a jury trial in the first place. That, like you said, simple things can be sorted out and that prosecutors and police officers need to do proper investigations. Um, you know, in specifics to this case, you know, do I think they need to go to prison for 20 years? I think that's absolutely ridiculous. I think most people can look at it and say, you know, it's not really a, I wouldn't classify it in the criminal terms of... And the dollar value. I mean, if there's something you could just pay back, and yes, some people, everybody who pled did not have to go to jail. It was not considered necessary. And so then it really goes into, this is a, a way of of setting up the criminal justice system, you've got to, what what a friend in banking used to say, nail a squirrel to a tree so the other squirrels know to stay out of your yard. Correct, correct. For me specifically, you know, going back when I was 16, um, I had been arrested for something and uh, was charged with it. But when the charges and everything came out, they actually slapped on four additional charges that there was no evidence backing it up. And it was a matter of they basically sat on the case for five years and then came to me and said, look, you can go to trial and it's a 75-year minimum sentence oh my in God. prison. Or you can take a plea deal with 10 years, no jail time, all probation. And did you take it? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was saying before this, a.k.a. Tommy Chong. Great documentary. You can look it at my website, MonicaPerezShow.com where he took a plea deal on a crime he wasn't even accused of. Think about that for a second. He did it so that his son wouldn't have to go to jail. Uh, Up next, I am going to, at the bottom of the hour, play for you proof that the government uses public schools for indoctrination, for mind control. They might use it for education, too, but I can prove that they knowingly use that platform to brainwash your kids. 
404-872-0750 1-800-WSB-TALK This is Monica Perez Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6 talking about the news of the week from a Libertarian perspective and this week Talking about the Atlanta Public Schools cheating scandal, I actually threw out a question on a forum I belong to on Facebook of uh, libertarians in Atlanta, and I got some interesting answers, not all ones that I had thought of. I had There was a good one from William. I'll read you the post. These teachers cheated. Those children will have to spend more of their lives learning what those teachers didn't teach. Their time, that is their lives, were wasted during that period. Since the federal government forced the children to attend schools, that portion of life was stolen from them for no reason. The children are victims, and the former educators should spend at least the same amount of time behind bars as they did rigging test scores and stealing the lives and time of children. What William says goes back to my earlier point that everything comes down to don't touch me or my stuff. And me is your life, is your time, your stuff is your stuff. It's your property, any any of the fruits of your labor. All laws can really get down to those fundamentals. And, uh, and that brings up this question. Libertarians don't like public schools, don't even like the idea that schooling is mandated, is required for children. And I, I think it's not necessary. I think so many things that we mandate, so many things that we think that our government is providing for us, like schools and literacy, is really a function of wealth rather than government because tons of really poor countries have every law on the book more than we have bigger governments than we have and they have much much lower outcomes on literacy on roads i think our our good roads and good uh, uh ability to read and all that is a legacy of the prosperity that results from his a history of freedom so that you're going to have people read. It takes, I think, 100 hours to for a kid at the right age to read. And beyond that, I mean, if you're going to have public libraries, all you really need to do, I'm not saying I approve of that, but if you have them, there's a computer in them, teach a kid to read within 100 hours. I'm sure you could get people to do that without even being paid, and then they'll just learn everything. Because I used to get a, like perfect scores almost on standardized tests. And I graduated from... My last stint in school was graduate school. I was like 30 years old almost. And I didn't really learn anything, I feel like. I mean, I learned the fundamentals. Math I learned. I learned English and stuff like that. But I only really understood things, understood understood topics in depth when I just started reading stuff I was interested in. And I feel like warehousing these kids for years and years and years is is wasting their time and is taking there uh, is is making it look like it's kind of like Republicans in Congress. They make it look like there's somebody there fighting the good fight, but they're really taking the place of somebody who would fight the good fight. So you have these kids in public schools, the parents are working there, um, some single moms or whatever, people who can't really keep up on it personally. They think the kids are getting taken care of, and they're really not, but it's actually worse than that. It's not just that the kids aren't learning how to read, are being warehoused, are there is opportunity cost to this. The government knows what how powerful schooling is, and they use it for their own purposes. I've, I've played this clip before. It's Eric Holder talking about his plan 
for uh, indoctrinating kids, people, society against guns, which I think is really sick. Because in the inner city, if you're a poor person, you have to live in the inner city and you're not a criminal, you need a gun. Because the cops can't wade through all the violence from the drug war and stuff like that. I think the... That, that, that taking the guns away from those people who actually need it in their day-to-day lives for self-defense or as a deterrent is really criminal. But this is, um, here's a clip of Eric Holder demonstrating that he is intentionally using the schools to brainwash kids. Let's hear it. Uh, I've also asked the school board to make a part of every day some kind of anti-violence, anti-gun message. Every day, every school, at every level. One thing that I think is clear with young people and with adults as well is that we just have to be repetitive about this. It's not enough to simply have a a catchy ad on a Monday and then only do it every Monday. We need to do this every day of the week and just really brainwash people into thinking about guns in a vastly different way. So this is Eric Holder telling us that he's using the school, his influence as a as a member of the government. His this was this was before he was um, attorney general of the United States. But the fact is, he was using the government to brainwash kids, not to educate kids, not to teach them how to make decisions, critical thinking, but to brainwash kids. And I call into question the the value. Of an education, it's like anti-value. Teach them how to read, yes, but you actually don't need 12 years of public schooling to teach them how to read. And actually, 12 years of public schooling often doesn't teach them how to read. They don't even get that much out of it. But they probably know these memes that Eric Holder is putting in front of their face every single day. So uh, that's a, maybe that's more a deeper kind of libertarian thinking that that I, I don't want to speak for others, but the the value of public school system could be, I would say, might be negative. But I want to hear from you, 800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to go to Donna in Woodstock. Donna, you are on with Monica. Hi, Monica. Hi. Um, I've never called talk radio before, but this has been weighing very heavy on my mind, and I do listen to talk radio quite a bit. Um, but I am sick of listening to the sympathetic public for... Uh, about sending these educators to jail. jail. Um, it's not, uh, yeah, it's not fair that wealthier people get away with stuff. I'm poor. I wouldn't get away with it. But regardless whether the RICO statute got them to, to the jail, I don't care. How come nobody worries about the message it sends to students and children? How many times, you know, in their career, these um, career teachers, have they sent children to the office, contacted parents, sent them to detention, suspended them for, for cheating? They got what they deserve. You know, that's such a good point, is that the authority that they wield, and, and that, is a, that is a parallel with the politicians in general. I, I find it absolutely galling. But, Donna, you bring up a point that I had in the back of my mind, but my mother said this, has always said this, and I really have to understand better what she means. I try to get her to, to explain it to me. She said that she knew it was the beginning of the end for this country, and I think it was the 50s, or maybe the 60s, when in New York, the teachers unionized, unionized. Yeah. So I went back and I asked her, I, you know, for years, I mulled that over. It's like, that was the tipping point? That's nuts. And she said it was because she felt giving that example to kids, that that's how you work out your problems, is just to walk out, abandon your job. And, and I'm, I'm a person who believes in the right to associate. I, I th- as long as the unions don't capture the government, I'm okay with unions. But yeah. she didn't like it. She really cared about how that was going to reflect on the kids, 
how it reflected on the character of the teachers. And that was the, that that happened to be an era where I do consider it was the tipping point. But yeah. uh, but she found very important how the teachers and the uh, show as an example to the kids. Right, right. And they chose to work for the public school system that requires these tests and these results for the funds. If they didn't want to follow the rules or adhere to the standards for that job, they needed to find a different one. Maybe they can now teach convicted felons in jail. Well, maybe they will. And I had this this really um, strange uh, experience that I was in. Uh, I went to confession. I've been in, in and out of the church. I talk about being Catholic, but... Whatever, I'm not great at it. And uh, But before I got married, I went to confession. I hadn't been to confession. I wasn't really a practicing Catholic for a long time. And I went into the confessional. And the priest, I got some kind of hard-nosed priest. And he went through the commandments. And he, like, made me examine my entire life. I'm telling you, when I left this confessional, there was a line out the door. It was like the walk of shame. Everyone was waiting. And I had to walk past everyone who had been waiting for so long, like the big sinner of the day. Oh, it was awful. But one of the things he said to me is like, have you ever broken the fourth commandment or whatever, which was honor your mother and your father? I'm thinking, yeah, but like not in a while because they have no authority over me. And he said that when you enter into an employment relationship, you have contracted, you have transferred, acknowledged that you transfer the authority, the moral authority that your parents have over you to your employer. So there is a moral as well as a legal duty to your employer. And, uh, and of course, there's a fiduciary duty, a duty of trust to these kids. So it is serious. I appreciate, Donna, yeah, I, I, I did. I felt a little bad for them because I just didn't think what they did was that big a deal. But when I looked into how systematized it was, how they got together, they were probably laughing about it. And, and they definitely, they, let's put it this way. Maybe they did or didn't care about the kids. They certainly, I would say, didn't think it would matter to those kids if they were uh, flagged for remediation, for remedial help. It just shows a lack of faith in their own abilities to teach. But again, uh, you have to think about whether testing is a good measure of teacher teacher value. I'm going to go to Alan in Clarksville. Hi, Alan. You're on with Monica. Uh, yes, Monica. Uh, I just want to say that the greater tragedy is public education. Uh, even the judge and these other people knows what go. They know what goes on in these public schools, and all this is just like a. It's it was a circus trial, in my view. And uh, I just want to say uh, kudos for your show here, and and uh, you're the best thing on Atlanta radio. Oh, thanks, Alan. I, I I appreciate that. I do. I actually a lot of times, if you listen to this show, you know that from my libertarian point of view, I have very black and white viewpoints. Like it's uh, right or wrong. It's easy to apply, but with crime and punishment, it's a little more nuanced because you have to connect. What people don't realize about libertarians is a lot of times, like if you listen to Ron Paul. What's paramount in his mind is quite often justice, not liberty. And I find that that is what moves me, you know, that really chokes me up is, is uh, you know, heroism in defense of an injustice and, or a correction of an injustice, stuff like that. And if you have a, um, if you look at the crime they commit, I almost wonder if, if in a case like this, if you could actually just try to right the damage done. So it didn't even have to be a punishment situation, but pay back the money 
or um, dedicate your time to tutoring the kids, actually have to get them to learn how to read. And then you wouldn't even have to evaluate whether it's harsh or not harsh, a vengeful or whatever. In reality, it would simply be the consequences of your action is to make reparations for the harm that you committed. So that you could, and you could actually get some good out of that. But I never get the sense that that's how our justice system works. I don't, I don't like that you get a ticket for speeding. It turns that whole system into an incentive program to catch you for speeding instead of to prevent speeding. I, I was watching, I read an article that red light cameras that detect people who run red lights are so effective that if you run a red light and get a ticket at that intersection, you never run that red light again. That in about a month, all running red lights is over. And they wanted to uh, take them down because they weren't making money from tickets anymore. And I just, it just boggles the mind. So you have to be very careful about what your incentives are in the criminal justice system. And in this case, one of the things was by punishing these guys so severely for going to trial, whereas anyone who pled out didn't have to go to jail. It's, I think it is a little bit of a deterrent to exercise your constitutional right to a trial by peers. But there are a few uh, more very interesting topics that uh, we're going to cover on this. And BR is going to tell us next why he, he does think the system is really to blame. Let's see if he's bringing out a different point from what I've uh, brought out so far. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I'm giving you the libertarian take on the Atlanta public school cheating scandal. Some stuff's black and white. Some stuff is nuanced. Taking your calls. I'm going to BR in Snellville. Hi, you're on with Monica. Hey, how you doing? Good. How you doing? Pretty good. This whole thing is, is about the federal government really controlling your local schools. Because of the fact that your local schools and government are so inept in managing the dollars they have, they become dependent on the school, on the federal government. Because from personal experience, I've been in the military for 22 years, and the, and the young men and women we get coming into the military nowadays, they they don't know how to think. Simple things you have to almost do step by step for, for simple simple things. Also, there's no, the, the, the head of the school system came from an area that's known for fraud. So all of a sudden, you, you have these school teachers who, in this economy, are expected to bucket up against her when they can get fired or blackballed from the Atlanta area, and, and next thing you know, they have no job, they have no way to pay the mortgage or student loans, and all of a sudden, they're supposed to fight against, against her? That's a good point. Hey, wait a second. Are you saying, you're talking about Beverly Hall, who was the superintendent of Atlanta schools, Correct. Came from a culture of fraud. Are you saying because she came out of the New York, New Jersey system? Correct. Yeah, because I'm from New York and right on the border of New Jersey. And I will tell you, when I really began to realize how corrupt it was there, it, w- it shocked me. I mean, they would start a road project and it would go on for years. And then when I moved to a different place and I saw I would see road work go up and I'd say, oh, no. I, I should never have moved into this neighborhood that's going to have road work for years, and it would be done in, like, two weeks. I remember thinking, wow, can you fix a road in, like, two weeks? So there's no doubt in my mind that if she was successful, really rose to the top, she certainly was familiar with those machinations. I mean, she wasn't tried and convicted, but but I think you're right that 
she probably set that culture and here's the other problem is that they uh that what if you are desperate what if that is your job and it's not like you get to not play the game and keep your job you don't play the game maybe you lose your job correct and it's not just that if if some people say oh they just transfer to another school system these chancellors it's it, it, it's a buddy buddy thing so if you think you'll leave in atlanta and move to another another city and get a job <laughs> you're fooling yourself so the word's going to come down that you don't play ball, then you, you you will be blackballed from the teaching. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's probably true. And given that, in my observation, public schools pay more and have better benefits than private schools. So once you get in, it's like when I was in New York, you get into the cops, you get into the fire department, you get into a public service job, you're kind of secure for life. It's not the same as getting a, a similar job in the private sector. And I think you become... Uh, committed to that. You need that sense of security and and on one level, who can blame him? Lots more calls coming up. Uh, 800 WSB Talk. This is Monica Perez.